The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Visit us now on Egbeth Road or call 203 1268. It is the Anfield Wrap City Talk 1059. Opposite me, Steve Graves, Paul Cope, Rob Gutman. They're all, they're all vexed over papers. Uh, uh, Rory Smith's on the phone because we're opening this show with 11 of your opening questions of those who submitted them via Twitter. 11 opening questions. Rob Gutman's just said it's like sweating over an exam at the last minute. He's, he's furiously writing things down. Rory's on the line there. Uh, we'll go to you first then, Rory, with the first opening question. It was my favourite of the lot. Name your best five-a-side team of Bosman signings. Comes from Jody Lee Gooch. I've had absolutely no warning for this. My five-a-side team of, of Bosman signings. It's okay, Rory. We'll pass it then. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll move on to Steve first and foremost, and, uh, and Steve can think can give his five-a-side team of Bosman signings. Um, okay, Bradfield Lingall. Yep. Um, I'd have. Uh... He's covering his work away from Paul Cope. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's five-a-side, isn't it? So I don't need a right-back. Um, I'd have Marcus Babel. Yep. And um, Michael Balak. Yep. Um, These are all on my list. I'm going to go quite attacking and have uh, Lewandowski. Does he count? He does count. Yes, he counts. Okay. And um, Henrik Larsson. Oh, Henrik Larsson's a great, great, great Bosman signing, but he's missed out on Yari Lippmann. And yeah. uh, Yari will be in there in my side. You could also miss Favorelio. I can't believe you missed the Favorelio trick. I don't need He'd left also left. be in mine. Joe Cole? Uh, uh, Joe Cole can be in there. Voronin can balance. be in there. For balance, for competency, <laughs> one way or the other. Um Paul Cope, have you got any names to add to this list? No, no. he's a valid answer. No, no. he's a valid answer. No, he's a valid answer. No, a did, valid Rory answer. Say, did Rory say I'm passing before I put my headphones on? Rory said he was passing before you'd even put your no. headphones I, on. I've got one, Neil. I've got one. Go on. Fernando Llorente. Fernando Llorente is another really, really good one. Pirlo. I don't know if you're having a five-a-side yeah, team. Pirlo, yeah. Pirlo. Pirlo's a splendid one. It's tough to think of goalkeepers. Sol Campbell. Sol Campbell's a legendary Bosman signing. Uh, the, the, my second goalkeeper choice after Friedel is actually Peggy Arfexad, but I reckon he'd be brilliant <laughs> in five-a-side. This isn't a five-a-side team, though. Let's put it in context. He'd be leaping round. He could come out as well. He could come he out. Did, I'm, I'm, I'm not criticising Arfexad. I'm criticising everybody else. And I'm, <laughs> I'm having Faberelio and Larson. That's all you need. Just the two in a five-a-side team. Need. Just two. <laughs> uh, anyone else bring into mind, Rory? Uh, no, I'm trying to think of a goalkeeper. Was Van der Sar a freebie or not? He was. That's an excellent yeah, one. That's probably you, your yeah. best one. Uh, great stuff on Van der Sar. And, of course, we've all missed the, the ultimate in the Bosmans, the one that we always talk about, Gary McAllister. Of course. Um, and you'd love to have him in your five-a-side team. You can probably do a decent Liverpool one if you use McManaman as well. You could have McManaman, Lippmann, and Fried will play for Liverpool, Gary McAllister, Marcus Babel, and, of course, Andre Voronin. Uh, let's say that, and, and, and Jovanovic and Joe Cole. Is one of these legendary Spanish keepers about to be a Bosman? Uh, Valdez. Valdez, yeah, Valdez yeah. will be a Bosman. Okay, that's yeah. that one. We've got to move quickly because we've got 11 of these to get through. Uh, what message would you write under your jersey to show when celebrating a goal comes from Cole McKean and Steve Graves? Um, I, could, I, I can't wear two layers, so I'd, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to write it on my chest, and I think that would be a bit weird. Okay, uh, Rob Gutman, what, what's the message that's on your chest? Hmm. Me, exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with is right. Uh, whipping your shirt off of that. Paul Cope, what would you have on underneath? I, I, I love Steve Graves' fact that he couldn't wear two layers. Is he can't, so, doesn't do a base layer, yeah, Steve no. Graves. So I'd, I'd wear the second layer just saying I can't wear two layers. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Rory Smith, what message would you wear under your jersey when celebrating a goal? 
Steve Graves can't wear two layers. Two, everyone's going on the Steve Graves two layers thing. I hope thing. Mario Balotelli comes back to the Premiership and that's what he's got on under his <laughs> That's a bit long for a message. Um, okay, next I'm one. What's the, what's the acceptable amount of money to spend on a first date? This comes from Steve Coyne. Steve felt £30 was an acceptable amount of money to spend on a first date. Uh, Rob Gutman shakes his head. How much would you spend on a first date, Rob? <laughs> well, it's a broad church, isn't it? It depends what, what you think you're investing in. Well, uh, but, uh, this, is, know, this like is the key question. Horribly actually, wrong and sexist. I know, I th- in this day and age, you're taking the girl out for something to eat and 30 quid, that's barely going to cover that bit. You can have a drink before. If you're clever, you can have a drink afterwards as well. If There's going to be a clever. lot of drink going on. So 30 quid, there could be transport involved. I'm not even talking about some uh, a rose or something like that in a cliche Italian restaurant. No, it's got to be 50, 60 notes. Oh, sorry, that's just for one. No, it's first two date. of you. Come there's on, two Rob. of you. There's 100 you. quid minimum. 100 quid on a first date. There's two of you, you all can, in. You can tell Steve Graves well, Don't waste ball. your time if you're not doing uh, that. Steve Graves, what do you think of this, mate? Well, I don't understand why the being two of you makes you all spend higher. No, no, because, because, it's because then the meal could be 20, 30 quid ahead. Yeah, but what, times what, two is what? 60. Yeah, but I don't then understand. Booze. Why is the other person not paying? Some some element. Oh. I thought I thought it was implied that you're being the, the old fashioned gentleman here. Steve no, oh, no, wow, he's well being the new man. Oh, I see. Well, then you can spend as little as you like, can't yeah. you? Go, it's all right, love. You have, you have, the, you have a, a three treble vodkas. I'll just have an orange juice. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a fiver. That's, <laughs> well, it's my round. That's yeah. Steve Graves' top move. Rory Smith, what's, uh, what, 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 how much do you think is an acceptable amount of money to spend on a first date? I'm from Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, then. Which football manager would you most like to see a fly-on-the-wall documentary of? Comes from Anto Hanlon. Uh, which football manager would you most like to see a fly-on-the-wall documentary of? Um, oh, Rory, because I think you'll have the most interesting answer. Alan Kirbisley. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd go for almost like a proper one. Steve Graves, are you going to go with Allardyce? Um, yeah, let's go with Allardyce. Hasn't that been done? Um, no? uh, do it again. Okay. That was a panorama, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Cope. I, I'm going to say Ron Atkinson, but that's the second time I've used Ron Atkinson as an answer. Ron Atkinson's not an answer. I'd like to see someone like Ralph Ragnick. I'd actually like to see a continental-type manager where he never it, shouts, he never swears, he sits there, he's constantly wearing glasses, and they have to sort of go afterwards and say, sorry, there was no drama. There was just interesting things. Rob Gutman. Well, mine on that tip is Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger. I think that would be the most fascinating uh, 45 minutes of uh, low-level documentary I could watch. We're talking oh. about different types of documentary here, lads, aren't we? Yeah, you two are very much in the reality show genre. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not quite sure where where Rory is with Kirbishley, and yet, me, you know, we're, we're very much looking for an Oscar nomination, me and Rob. I'm seeing them following Arsene home to have tea at home with his wife and all kinds of things. I'm getting ready in the morning, stroking the dog's head. <laughs> the whole gamut. <laughs> uh, run the gamut with them. Oh, okay. Um, which three stadiums, past or present, would you like to have visited on a European Cup night? Uh, from Vinnie Calbrazi. Um, which three stadiums? It doesn't have to be three. Just the stadiums you Final. would like to have visited. No, just on a European Cup night. Where would you like? Where, where haven't you been, Rob? That you would like to have gone? Uh, the Olympic Stadium in Munich, which they don't play there anymore, do they? They Nobody don't. Allianz thing. Um, the Olympic Stadium, Munich, I'd like with, to go- with all the history that's imbued in that stadium. I've been to quite to the Bernabeu and the yep. the Barcelona one, New Camp, no. <laughs> um, and a few of the others. I haven't been to the Olympic in Munich. Rory, one. which one's the most exciting one you've ever been to, and which one would you like to go to that you haven't got to? My favourite one is the Stadium of Light. That's my favourite stadium in Europe. I think Benfica? Really, yeah, on a European, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, good show. Um, the, I'd like to, to have been to the Nepstadion for Honved. That would have been quite good. Um... I've never been to the Messiah on a European night. That'd be good. And I've, I've actually never seen a Champions League game at Dortmund. And that'd be fantastic as well. 
Yeah, well, I would have thought you'd have done that. Uh, well, no. I've worked with one of your many employers. Uh, I'm sure someone, someone can box you. Um, uh, Steve Graves, what are you, what, what are you going with? Uh, I'm not going to do three. I'm not even going to do European night, but I never went to Highbury, and it's a bit rubbish Ooh. to say it, but I, I, now that I know I can't, I'd quite like to. I did, a lot. Yeah. Well, how, how, was it good? Yeah. <sighs> was it better than the Emirates? <laughs> a billion times better than the Emirates. Okay. It's a proper stadium, you know. That's that's a different a different world there. Hybrid, yeah. Then. Yeah, hybrid, yeah. Good shout, Steve. Okay, uh, which nationality of referee would you like to be ref by or not ref by? Uh, from Steve Cunning, given the light of what Pellegrini said this week. We can't get into the football a little bit here. Uh, Rory, I'm a bit um I'm a bit exhausted with this now. It's it's it seems a bit of a shame Pellegrini's flashed flashed his blade in this manner. It just seems a little bit like you know, as as though the Swedes can't decide what does or doesn't constitute a proper game of football. I think that the Swedes and previously the Norwegians have also been criticised for not being apparently qualified to referee Champions League games. I think they're the best nations to to, to have, aren't they? They're, you know, they're, they're social democrats. They think everything's fair. They don't like sitting their head above the parapet. I'd have a Scandinavian, any Scandinavian. I the, 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 my thing on this, Rory, is. It really is. Pellegrini is effectively... The argument this week has been back to this idea of contests, that it was ruined as a contest. And I'm exhausted with contest. It is a competition between two rival groups of 11 people aiming to put a ball between two sticks, however ludicrous that is, or three sticks, however ludicrous that is. You know, this is this absolutely drives me to distraction, Rory, frankly. It doesn't matter whether what the context is. It doesn't matter what it does to the game. It's basically, he's got to make the fair decision. I don't completely. This idea that the referee, this idea the referee can ruin the game, is, is ludicrous. The referee is there to, to affect the laws of the game to make sure that the, the game is carried out in accordance with the laws of the game. They have no responsibility whatsoever to your entertainment. But I should point out actually that Pellegrini, I think today, has apologised for what he said, which which shows a degree of yeah. reticence and class in him. He's a decent bloke, Pellegrini. I was surprised he said it because it was a stupid thing to say, but at least he's had the decency to admit he was wrong. Uh, it's very frustrating, isn't it, Steve? It is. It is very much. Let's just bring context into everything. Yeah, and it always seems to be Swedes who get it as well. Um, or, or when it's in the World Cup, it's always like people from nations that you've never heard of. A Liechtensteinian referee. People, that, people from nations that, yeah, that, that people sort of look down on as if they don't understand football or they can't understand. The it's rules just in xenophobic. Some way. Let's face it. All yeah. these things are just xenophobic statements. It's, can I? Can I just add something? Which is that in one of the old Pro Evo games, Peter Brackley, the commentator, used to say. Whenever there was a bad decision, one of the, like, the set phrases you come up with was, and we're back to that age-old debate about referees who've never played the yeah, game. he did, he did. That debate <laughs> that no one's having. Does anyone remember that debate? It completely yeah. passed me by. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the ref nationality I'd avoid would be the English, because they're the most, it feels to me, maybe because it's so it's a parochial thing, that they're the most who, who to take this romantic, subjective view, as we saw last week with Howard Web indeed. I mean, uh, I, I missed his middle name out there, and um, that that when I watch um, European referees watching games, they seem to be ruthlessly mm. cold in their in their taking things without context, and it's it's hard to take, but it's correct. I'm I'm not sure about this, but I'm I wonder if as many European referees are mates with or try to be mates or want to be mates with someone, for example, like the captain of Chelsea or the captain of Liverpool, in quite the same way as as. Not mates, but taking bribes too. from uh, Italian mafioso types. Well, uh, that, that, that's, a, yeah, that's a separate Italian issue. <laughs> I, don't think they, I don't think they have the same approach. Does, if you talk to referees now, what they seem to think they have to do is manage the game. Yes. That's, not, that's not their job. No. Their job is not to manage the game. Their job is to, is to make sure the game is played in accordance with the laws. They have no other job. They don't need to be referring to, to John Terry as JT or to, yeah. or to Gerard. They're not conductors. Yeah. They're not. They're not there. They have, no, they have no role in the entertainment. And I think that, that's been lost. It's... 
it's almost like they've become infused with sort of management consultancy and they, they've listened to all this <laughs> jargon nonsense. They are not there to, to make... Football's job is not to entertain us. That's not football's job. That's a complete misunderstanding of why it exists. But, football teams exist to win football matches. But equally as well, whether a game or not has been ruined is subjective, isn't it? Jeff Stelling made a great point the other night after the Arsenal game. He said, oh, this game's been ruined by the referees' decisions. Well, the Munich fans didn't think it had been ruined. And no. no one in Germany thought it had been ruined. They thought it was great. This is well, that's what it all comes back to. Okay, next one in our in our rolling opening questions. Would Felix Magath work for the CIA or the FBI in a previous life? I have a, a firm view on this, says Ant White. Uh, Ant, I, I follow Ant on Twitter, and Ant has a firm view on many things. So if this is his firm view, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, I'll just very quickly from you: CIA or FBI? Rory. CIA. Definitely, Steve. Both. Oh, only uh, one knows it. Uh, Paul. <laughs> You can't be both, can you? You can't. I don't think you can, Rob. He didn't work for the CIA. He'd be an asset of the CIA. He was an asset. Distinction. He was an asset. Distinction. Excellent stuff from Joseph Pepper. Should the Europa and Champions Leagues be merged and seeding scrapped? Uh, the answer is yes, by the way, he says, editorialising. Um, I am with Joseph on the idea of scrapping seeding across the board, Rory. I think seeding and everything's fundamentally pointless. Yeah, I'd, I'd stop the seeding. I wouldn't merge them, but I would take steps to make the Europa League more pointful. And also fewer games and, and pointing it at things a little bit more, I think. Um, yeah, I think, well, I think the, 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 the Europa League, UEFA have done to that, what the FA have done to the FA Cup, they've taken loads of decisions that have ruined their own competition. Uh, Steve Graves, would you scrap seeding? Probably. Yeah, OK, go on. You know what you could do? <laughs> you talk me around by, by saying nothing. <laughs> by, look, by looking at <laughs> yeah, you and telling me. by looking at me for an answer. Uh, so what, what, what would you do, Rob? Do you know what? Euro- the UEFA Cup, as the Europa is properly known as, worked because you usually have the second and third best teams playing in there. So sometimes they're actually stronger than the, the main Champions it was, Cup. Yeah. So why not just randomly make it the competition for the teams that finish second? The Champions League can have first, third, fourth and fifth. <laughs> and the Europa can just be the teams that finish second. And there'll be this strangely anomalous, powerful competition. Of sides that are either on the rise or on the fall. And you, you don't really find out until the next season. And suddenly it's very, very exactly. clear who's, who, who's on the up and who's on the down. Okay, next one uh, comes from Juliet Jakes. Funniest red card you've ever seen. Juliet's answer was just with Malumbu kicking the ball at West Ham, West Ham United's Gary O'Neill, who hasn't wanted to do that, she says. Um, I didn't know Gary O'Neill was the subject of such ire Um, mine will always be I refuse to believe it will ever be top Davy Prutton's mad 10 minutes against Arsenal um, at St Mary's when he managed to commit about 17 red card offences before finally going absolutely stark staring crazy when he was in the middle of the form of his life Uh, funniest red card you've ever seen Steve Graves Uh, not so much for the the card but uh, Frimpong against other Arsenal um, a couple of seasons ago just because you, 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 from minute one you went he's getting sent off yeah. and then you just laughed when it happened because it clearly was but to be honest then you realise that that's every game <laughs> and the joke wears thin um, Rory Smith funniest red card you've ever seen yeah that Malumbu one's good although I'm a sucker for two yellow cards within the two or three minutes I love that yeah. uh, Gerard in the derby um, it, uh, 2000 and when, when when Alonso decided to then run the game Garcia scored Kuhl made a 3-1 and Gerard got himself sent off got got two yellow cards in about two and a half minutes uh, I think that they were given by Phil Dowd not refereeing context for once Phil Wellin um, Rob Gutman funniest red card you've ever seen I don't find that sort of thing funny I have to say red don't you cards. no there's not doesn't make me titter <laughs> I suppose I have to answer. This. Are you rising above this? I, I am. I am a bit above this. I don't find football generally funny. I'm too wound up in it. But uh, well, uh, Paolo Di Canio didn't he get sent off for doing something to a referee once? Well, he, Paul he, Altart, yeah. Yeah, he pushed over Paul Altart. And he already had he already yeah. been sent. That's as losing He'd it already as been it gets. Sent off, that's as losing it when somebody l- properly loses it. That's that's got to be quite funny. Well, that, that's that, that, that's my day. That's my Davy Prutt one. Uh, Paul, you got one? 
don't have to. You I, can I don't have enough memory of football generally to be able to pick this out. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, what player would you give your last Rolo to, and why? Comes from Carlos, our producer. Only a minute and a half of this left. Uh, Rory Smith, who are you giving your last Patrick Rolo Berger. to? Patrick Berger gets Rory Smith's last Rolo. Um, Rob Gutman, who are you giving your last Rolo to? It's Kenny. Kenny. Paul Cope. Boring. I, Rory, genuinely, I'd give my whole pack of Rolos to Patrick Berger. <laughs> That's it. I'll tell you what, I would give everything to Patrick Berger. Yeah, I'm with you. Me, boys, we need to meet boys, up after boys, this and talk yeah. about it. Find Patrick. He's go to a certain club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's loads of them in Prague. Steve Graves. Yago Aspas. Yago Aspas, because you, you, you love him so. Uh, okay, last one then. Insert the name Andrew Heaton into a famous line from a film. Insert the name of Andrew Heaton into a fa- famous line from a film. Mike Gerling went with The Grapes of Andrew Heaton, uh, which has a lot to recommend it indeed. Um, so insert into a famous line of the film. Someone else put on Twitter, of all the gin joints in all the world, Andrew Heaton had to walk into mine. Um, so insert the, the words Andrew Heaton into a famous line from a film. Before we go to the break, uh, everyone's looking. No one wants to look at me. Um, <laughs> No one I'm wants to get my attention. You. Rob Gutman. I love you, Andrew Heaton. <laughs> I love you, Andrew Heaton. Do you know Heaton. the film? I know the film. Yes, Phil, I love you, Philip Morris. Exactly, yeah. Um, Works on a lot of levels, that, that guy. Works on a lot of levels. Okay, Steve Graves. Um, I don't know the exact things, but the thing at the end of Rocky Four when he's like, if I can change, if Andrew Heaton can change, then anyone can change. That kind of thing. <laughs> You're using I'm Rocky's... up there with the Russian state. The, you're with, 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 with the USSR. The film, you're you're, you're comparing... It's a line, yeah. You're comparing Andrew Heaton to the USSR. Excellent yeah, and stuff. he comes off better. Um, Rory Smith. The greatest moment from any film is, is Bill Pullman's speech in Independence Day. I, I don't know where I put the name Andrew Heaton, but maybe something like, we will not go quietly into Andrew Heaton. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Cope, have you got one? No, he's a valid answer. Uh, the, the only the the, uh, the answer that flashes into my head is Tom Cruise at the end shouting "Show me the money," but at Andrew Heaton <laughs> to, to, doing it to him instead. Okay, okay. This has been part one of this week's Anfield Wrap. We've rattled right the way through. Thanks to Rory for getting involved with all the silliness. Thanks to all those who've asked those questions. In part two, we will be talking about the proper football. But I really didn't feel there was an hour of it this week. Here we go. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine. That is the Anfield Rap City Talk One Zero Five Nine. Thank you to Rory again for doing that. So now we're going to get on with what was what we were here to do. What the actual day by day job is. It is uh, to talk about specifically Liverpool Football Club, and we're going to talk about the challenge ahead um, in a wide variety of, of senses. Twelve games left to go this season. There cannot be more than twelve. They cannot make us play a thirteenth. Uh, however much we might want to, there are 12 to go. So the challenge ahead involves integrating the players coming back from injury first and foremost and using them to become stronger. I think this is quite interesting, Steve, uh, the idea of reintegrating some of these players because sometimes it isn't necessarily the best, the better players that, that put you in the best shape. Um, you know, Sometimes you know you can bring a player back and, and shape can actually dissipate a little bit. To come back is Agasako, Johnson, Lucas Leiva. Enrique's had another setback. He's likely to not be back now for another few weeks. Um, you know, it's getting these lads back in. They are all assets one way or another. It's just it's partially in the usage of them. Yeah, I think the easiest, um, both in terms of the the systemic issue and also the personnel is the centre back issue in that you want to bring in a left sided centre back who is an upgrade on Torre and I think there's probably two of them um, on the way. Um, the midfield is probably the more ve- the most vexed of all because you know Lucas gives you that huge um, defines your midfield shape in a, in a huge way, um, but we've sort of found a way of doing it without in an entirely different way. Um, so I'd be intrigued to see 
how Lucas comes back in um, is probably when we're like three 0 down at four, after forty five when something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> I think that's ultimately mm. that's ultimately how Lucas gets his way back into the team, um, and we win four three. Um, and and then the fullbacks, um, well, yeah, again, you, you you do worry a little bit about unsettling what is quite a delicate balance. I think with with one way or another, you're going to be with someone. You're going to have someone on one flank who isn't maybe your first choice, and how how we manage that is, will be interesting. I think though, that what strikes me is, is these games now theoretically, Robert. It's all one big point. This these games theoretically now are um, a one a week, but then they're not going to be one a week. They're all going to you know there's going to there could be one one week with no game, and then there could be three games in a week. I mean, one of the things that you know the manager's shown so much this season, and at the back end of last season, he's shown so much quality. Liverpool have been spectacular of the as as they have been. The one thing that sort of he hasn't shown partially because he hasn't really had to is the ability to chop and change, uh, you know, in order to get results. And and if it does start going to a couple of weeks where it's three games in a week, it might be a smart move. Yeah, in a way, he has chopped and changed, but it's been through circumstantial uh, for circumstantial reasons. I was thinking about this. We're very prone as supporters to looking at a team that's won two good matches on the bounce and going, "Well, that's the answer. That's the holy grail. Those are the 11. I'm thinking. I think back to I don't know, is it. 10 weeks ago now that we went to White Hart Lane and won 5 0. There was a few players playing that day who haven't been near the first team for a while. Lucas Laver, Joe Allen, uh, I think Glenn Johnson was playing that day as well. Uh, and Daniel Sturridge wasn't playing. Uh, and you, you now look at the team and think, you can't imagine Sturridge not being in starting. You can't imagine Gerard. And, and Lucas, Lucas almost seems to have been totally relegated. But I think Brendan will, I hope he will look at it and look at the rotational options he's now got and go, do you know what, it's, it's, not, actually, it's not actually about the, the exact personnel, it's about my systems and, and the belief within the squad. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the thing now, Paul, the, what these injuries have shown is that he should now have 17, 18 players he can feel as though he trusts. If he's bringing these four or five back, you know, it, it, he's got that, should have that ability with one or two on the bench to feel as though he can, he can make, you know, with Alan there as well, he can make changes and, and, and feel as though he's got, to, he's, he has, he's not stuck with a core of 11 or 12 like it felt at, time, at times last season, you know, maybe he's, he's now got a core of 17. Yeah, I, I think probably 16, 17 is probably exaggerating it a bit to me. I, I think some of the, these people coming in will come back in for people who, once we've got a, a full 11 fit, wouldn't be anywhere near the, so Sissoko is the first player that springs <laughs> to known. mind because as as soon as Johnson's fit, then uh, Flanagan goes left back. If we get MDK fit, whenever that's going to happen, Sissoko's nowhere near it. So we we can talk but, about rotation, but I don't think that's going to happen. But this is where what I'm saying, and Steve, you know, to echo on this, this is where there's this delicate balance thing. I actually think having had Sissoko there at left back, being very much a Gerard Houllier left back, in that he, he he's very aware of his own limitations, but no one gets past him. I think that sort of helped us on our recent run. Yeah, and when you drop Enrique, were it to be Enrique back in, um, were it to be Johnson, obviously you're putting players in who are maybe not quite as fit. And I think one thing Sissoko looks like he's he's shown is that he's really improved his match fitness. He looks like he runs for 90 minutes and, and he's got that physicality about him. Um, probably improves us in terms of, of, of overall height in the side as well. Um, I think, I mean, I think, again, I think he's he's ahead of Torre in terms of keeping his place. You know, Torre is, is sort of the, the player that, that we've you really feel as... Um, struggled in, in recent weeks um, and is a much more easy much easier swap to bring in um, but then I also feel like Sissoko has played better when he's had um, Flanagan rather than Johnson on the other side oddly almost as if it's kind of sides can't just wait for us to funnel it to him because mm. they, they sort of want to try and funnel it to either him or Flanagan and then they slightly underestimate Flanagan on the ball and then, oddly he gets fewer touches and I think that probably helps him um, he's just other defending 
The See, other, sorry, Steve, can I just ask, do you think it's about shape, though, rather than personnel? Sissoko, Flanagan, Johnson, uh, even at Spurs, we were more compact to a degree. I, th- I think, you know, we saw the early part of the season that the, the fullbacks flying forward. Whereas there's, there's a degree to which we've played on the counter against the bigger sides, whereby it's arguably we, we, we've tucked them in a bit more and it's, it's not so much about who, but how. Well, we've kind of stumbled upon the playing, going back to playing like a three of a very attacking three who, who, who've got license to sort of always bomb on. So again, probably that helps someone like Sterling, depending on which side he's on, to have someone a little bit more defensive at the back. And Sissoko can kind of slot in and play a, a little bit like a pseudo centre-back at times when, when the shape moves round, which I think is, is easier for him to do again because he's, because he's taller and more physical. Um, I feel like I'm talking about more than I want to here, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, I think I sorry, think what, sorry. I think what happens going forward actually depends on what our ambitions are, because I think if we if we genuinely think we can win the league from this position, we have to change from what we've been doing recently, which is having a and it's been through necessity, not through choice. But Sissoko and Flanagan as your fullbacks is fine, and we've done a certain amount of amazing attacking football with them in as your fullbacks, but with um, attacking players who can just attack. I think in the last 12 games of the season, we're going to need attacking fullbacks who can break down teams. Well, they, And this is where the away games that are left between now and the end of the season, they they come into the uh, in, in, into the equation as well. Southampton, Manchester United, Norwich, Cardiff, Palace and West Ham. Um, you know, the away form, Rob, doesn't equal six victories there. If we're going to win the league, we're going to need at least five victories, you'd think realistically. So yeah. therefore, then something something has to give. Yeah, in a way, you'd think we're well set up to go away from home against lesser lights because these teams have to come on to us. It's not like they're going to... Well, they don't have to, but but even with Fulham, who we expected to reprise their performance at Man United, came out to... Well, they they struck a balance. We'll be able to go through these teams, but it's our performance level that's the issue. We seem to exude a confidence at Anfield, whatever tactical formation, because people have talked about us being a counter-attacking side, forgetting the teams that parked the bus that we ploughed through before Christmas. Um, I think it's, 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 about, it's psychological and it's about level we find, because I think tactically these teams are set up for us to, to, to get through. I think we're happier against teams that at this stage need the points. You know, Fulham... A yeah. point wasn't that much used to them, so they had a, an interest in playing for a win. Whereas Southampton probably would rather just hold; they'd be happy to hold us, and they are a, a better equipped side to do that as well. Uh, Norwich would just like Suarez not to hurt them anymore. Um, Palace, Cardiff, pa- Palace, I think Cardiff, would, I think Cardiff will need the points, but Palace probably won't. Palace probably won't. It's about West Ham. Probably Steve, won't. You think? I think it's about Manchester us. United. Obviously, will. I don't think it's about them. I think it's about us. We, you know, there was no reason we didn't go and blitz West Brom after what we did to Everton. There's no reason we didn't. Pla- we, well, they, we didn't they were. They, they they set up more defensively than Fulham. They 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 set up to do what they then did against Chelsea, which is be be perfectly happy not really having the ball and and taking your chance when you get it but our level wasn't right there we well, we weren't on it we weren't closing down there's another side on the pitch though and and i think the fact that fulham fulham were, were too open to us had had fulham been a bit less open and a little bit more sensible at the end of the game we wouldn't have we wouldn't have we wouldn't have won the game you know they why didn't they take it into the corner and and, and try and play and just that take way. the points because because taking a point wasn't that much used to them whereas i suppose west brom a couple of games further back and slightly better off points wise felt like felt like it was more used to them 
I, th- I thought it was. I, I thought the second half, the way West Brom actually uh, approached the second half against us, was very, very interesting. He just wanted to confine play into certain areas, stop us from playing, <clears throat> and pin us into little bit, little patches of the pitch. Loads of Billy Jones, loads and loads of Billy Jones, loads and loads of throw-ins, deliberately looking to to to, to kill the game. Uh, I th- but that said, I agree with you as well. I see both sides of this. I agree with you as well, Robin. That I felt that you know the level wasn't right. They couldn't. Liverpool struggled to rise above the level West Brom were trying to force them to play at. Yeah, is sort of the the yeah. the aspect there. But they're they're the games that do look winnable. The thing, my big thing on this, Paul, is under Brendan Rodgers, and this is my new theory of five, are you ready for the new theory? Mm. Theory of five. The theory of five is this, that if you take any five games mm. from any time under Brendan Rodgers and then you pick another five games that are closer to the present day, different five games, Liverpool's performance level and or results are significantly and noticeably better. So any five games you take, that's the case. So now this is the last land left to conquer. For ages we were saying, well, you know, he can't. He's not. He's doing it, but he's not doing it in the big games. And then mm, you go and batter Spurs five nil and Arsenal four nil, five one and Everton four nil. And then for, and before that we were just going, well, you know, is he going to do it at all? And then he's done it. So this is the last land left to conquer for him domestically, isn't it, Paul? This idea of being able to put a run of away games together, and there's no reason to think he can't do it given constant improvement. I th- this is the thing that really excites me between now and the end of the season. We've got twelve games left we keep talking about it. it's the only thing we've got to talk about and it's exactly that point I, I've i heard Rogers talk and we've all heard him talk about how through different phases of the season we've had points targets to achieve certain things we need two points average so every t- obviously he goes into groups of games and he says to his players through this group of games we need this yeah. and obviously in those groups of games every now and then he, he hits an Arsenal and he says right last year we got beat by Arsenal we need to beat Arsenal this year even when we drop we drew with West Brom. He came out afterwards and said, look, we got zero off West Brom last year. We got four this year. That's a massive improvement. And I think he's going into these last 12 games and he is going to the players, look, this is how we win the league. I don't care what's going on in the public. I don't care what's going on in the press. He is behind the scenes saying, these are the way, these are the points we need and these are the games we need to win to win the league. And it, whatever happens with all the other teams, they can do. But if this is what we can get to this point level... If that wins us league, great. If it doesn't, that's not our fault. We go from there. That's this is my thing, Robbie. If if Liverpool continue to improve, mm. if Liverpool's next five games is better in terms of performance and or results than their last five games, Liverpool will be very much in the title race with seven games to go. What? Yeah. What you're saying is that, is that what's happened under Rodgers has been a linear rise. You're not saying the, I'm not saying it's not graph. Quite, I mean, I, I'm I saying you, if you, you think need... block game by game, but I'm saying there's blocks of games. I know. I know. But the bottom line is is we've steadily improved quarter on quarter uh, under Brendan Rodgers and uh, there's a re- it's, a, it's a reasonable argument I mean you know as a, as a fan I don't dare entertain this you know I'm a different view from you, you, you get, getting bullish about it I, I, I don't want to think about it till four or five games to go not getting <laughs> being being <laughs> is what but yeah yeah I, I, see what, I see what you're saying I think we I, who knows if we can find that level we've not done the five games I suppose there's no precedent yet that's my only court note of caution I think Paul's right about the um comparative games and if were we to win the next two away that's a six point swing against last season um, you know, we lost, lost both of those games um, and then that that's the kind of thing that you can you can tell yourself and you can you can start to believe in and you know obviously has a material impact on, on where you actually finish at the end which is nice and therefore, on top of the last season's points total, for instance, Liverpool, Liverpool, I think, are now at 18 points ahead of what they got last season, uh, which, if you just add that on, it becomes 78. If they win the next two and they get what they got for that last season through the rest of them, it becomes 84. 
Do you think, picking on Paul's point, do you think he's really sitting down strategically and going, this is how we win the league, boys? Or do you think he's saying, one game at a time, we're, each game's a cup final. I'm sure he's having different Have belief, both. have belief, we're as good both. as anything. He'll be having different conversations I, I with don't, people. I genuinely don't think, and I, I love all this side of it, I, I love the Steve Peters side of it all. I genuinely don't think they sit down and say, this is how we win the league. I think this is how they sit down now and say, this is how we get the most points we can get. Because all we can do is control the points we get. We can't control how many points apart from when we play them. Well, but this is it. That's why the fixture list them. is so well set up, though. Isn't oh, it? You which, can't is, which, is, which is if we control the points we get, then we, we fundamentally will control what they do as well. Not necessarily Apart. though, because and and this is I've heard Steve Peters talk about this, and it's and it's really fascinating in in team sports and in in sports where you can't control what else is going on around you. Man City, and this happened to us the season we finished second under Benitez. We had people always talk about the rant and how it all went wrong afterwards. We had an amazing end of the season that year, but actually what happened was United just went stratospheric. They just won game after game after game. And we lost the league because they were phenomenal. And what yes. I, I think the way Rodgers will approach this is, we can't control if Man City or Chelsea or Arsenal go stratospheric here. They could, they've could. they got a lot... They've all got really tough games. If you go through this, the fixture list, it's, it's amazing. Everyone's got, Everyone's got, got four, got tough games. somebody's got three. But if, and all mm. it takes is for one of those teams, including us, to go on a run. But you've got to be the team that goes on the run and all you can do is control yourself. Oh, okay. The fixture list, therefore, also starting to look a little odd in all this. Sunderland and City are probably... Sunderland definitely moving around. City's probably moving around. Week by week, we've not been quite as good as you would have hoped. But, you know, it's it's it's, it's odd, isn't it, Steve? You f- what you feel as though helps, what you feel as though hinders. Um, you know, it's that's the thing that sort of gets my attention on this. You, you like to think that week by week, Liverpool will improve. But Liverpool have lost games after they've had a week off this season. Mm. So, you know, it's not it's, it's not as clear cut as that. But, you know, you don't, want, you don't want to see the side get rusty. It would be nice just to get into a fall into a rhythm. Yeah, it would. It, it feels like the league as a whole has kind of taken a, a breather. Um, obviously with the FA Cup and then the Champions League's come in and, and everyone's just sort of slightly just gathering gathering their, their strength, I suppose. And we've had the advantage of not not playing um, in the week. And, and obviously the, the, side, the sides that have have had pretty tough games as well and, and you know, had to, to run with, with, with 10 men. Um, so you would you would think that someone this weekend might have a, a slip up in them, um, and you just hope it's it's due to um, tiredness rather than rather than the rustiness that you say. But you know who can say it's very hard to. Neil's right. The, the arrhythmic element of this is, is crucial, I think, because we, we're going from those play three times in a week, don't play for a fortnight situations. It's 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 going to be a massive test of Brendan Rodgers this to psychologically and and, and conditioning wise how he deals with it. Those games, and there's no predicting it to be to be honest. Those games moving around and City also having that game cancelled feel weirdly auspicious in some way. Like these are the yeah. kind of things that happen in seasons well, when someone wins the league. Well, someone win, wins someone wins the league every <laughs> yeah. year. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do that. Yeah. Anyway. So you know it could be a good auspice for City or us or someone. Well, the, but, uh, we, we like auspices better, don't we? We're looking for omens here, Steve. Yeah, yeah. We're we're looking omens. For omens. yeah. L- 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 Liverpool are by far the most. It's going to end in a playoff of some kind. Well, this is, and this is exactly what I think. I've got this. I've got this thing suddenly in my head that we play City at home uh, the week uh, uh, four days before Newcastle at home, and we're one point clear. And uh, and that football match takes place. Uh, this is the Anfield Rap City Talk 1059. We're going to go to a break. After the break, we will talk just simply about the next game. Sorry if you don't like us getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about the next game, and that game is against Swansea City. The Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9. 
It is the Anfield rap. Chris Lawley stepped in. £100 on one date. The entire dating process and the engagement ring shouldn't come to that, says Chris. Steve Graves nods. <laughs> nods in agreement Lynch bags there. of the world unite. Um, <laughs> and, um, and Joe Campbell, who does, who's very kind and does our film and stuff, says, come on, lads, you can do better than that. Nobody puts Andy in the corner. Heaton, we have a problem. I say that far too much in my life. And uh, far too often in my life, Andy comes up with a solution. So uh, fair play to him for that. All right, then. Um, plugging the magazine on this front, the Anfield Rap magazine. If you haven't seen it yet, you really, really should. If you have seen it, I'll keep saying this. Do show it to people. Uh, we, we we do not have uh, a marketing budget as such. You are our marketing budget. Um, so if you want to show it to people and just sort of show them what it's about, it's different from this. It's different from lads asking each other whether or not Felix Magath worked for the CIA or FBI in a previous life. It doesn't work like that. Uh, and you can make that clear to them. Also, on Tuesday, um, we're doing in Motel. Uh, if you can email the Anfield Rapper gmail.com if you'd like to come. We're doing another recorded um, thing uh, to camera. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to call them yet. We, we call them magcasts, but I think it's an ugly, ugly, ugly word. Um, so let's not call it that. Let's come up with something together. But we're doing that on Tuesday evening in Motel. So if you want to, if you want to come to that, email theanfieldrap at gmail.com. You'll get there for half seven. You should be done by half nine at the outside. Okay, then Swansea. Uh, I've just that was real radio voice there. Um, I, I, honestly, um, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be they'll be getting tapped up by Merseyside in a minute. Uh, Swansea, <laughs> um, the strongest side against Napoli, pretty much. Though they did rest people against Everton. Looking at the football league table, Rob Swansea, they are sitting in tenth, but they are only four points clear of relegation. They're not really in a position to rest people. No, do they play the second leg next week? They or? play the second leg on Thursday. And they're excited. At Napoli. Yeah. And they're excited by the prospect because because they, they, they bettered Natalie Napoli Natalie. Napoli <laughs> without even without beating. So they're going to there's gonna be a part of them that thinks their whole season is defined by that game. Uh, and I think uh they'll have a major eye on that. Look, this is this is another case like we talked about the away games. So the Swansea aren't aren't relevant in this. Liverpool Football Club are relevant in this. We we do what we want to do and we will win this football match and that's that's the end of the story really. Um, yeah, but I've got a few points written down here. Yeah, Rob. We, 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 could, we could at least you play can. nicely for, for, for 60 you seconds. Well, we could do some more questions. Humming. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll do, all right, then. Um, is Rob right, Steve? Um, I, I think that Swansea will rest people, and I think they should rest people um, on this occasion. Because if, you, if, you're in, if you're in the Europa League, you've got a chance to go to Napoli and do something exciting, then that, that's great, I think. You should go for it. If you're Swansea. I, and, and you say they're in no position to rest in the league. They're 10th at the foot, but, but there's loads of really bad teams and there's probably loads of time to sort of to, to, to eke out some points. And there is kind of side that will win games rather than um, sort of struggle to, to, to draw a few like, like Norwich might. And um, I think that they've got enough about them to, to stay up. Oh. And, and if, if they haven't, if they go out against Napoli, then they can reassess them. But they might as well. They might the, as well have a go at the thing well, that's that, fun. I agree with you on that. And they may as well have a go on the thing that's fun. Football is, meant, football is meant to be fun. And obviously, bring yeah, about circumstances like last where, year. where nice. like last year, they let us win 5 0. Then they won the League Cup. And yeah. a, four, a four point lead isn't bad, isn't bad when you're at the bottom. Well, you look at the opposite. There's so many I look, sides. I look at the top, you look up and go, oh no, they're going to win. They're going to win this week. Like we're chasing yeah, exactly. people at the top. They look back and go, they're going to lose. They're going to These are sides that get four points in five or six games. Exactly. I wonder if there's one eye on this with one eye on Napoli Paul you know Swansea's next three homes all played in March at Crystal Palace West Bromwich Albion and Norwich City so therefore if you are Swansea you can maybe think listen we can enjoy ourselves we've got the opportunity to enjoy ourselves you know maybe they will think you know we can go for this and uh, yeah and I think they will and I think I think that's what Gary Monk's all about and and, and I think I heard Tim Sherwood say the other day that's what he's all about he'd rather win the Europa League than finish fourth and sometimes that's I actually nice. I actually <laughs> think 
that's refreshing to hear. Yeah, it is. Joe, football fans want to go on journeys. They want to win trophies. Swansea fans want to beat Napoli away. That's what they want to do. Whether they whether they get a draw at Anfield on Sunday doesn't really matter to them. They could do that next year because they're going to stay up. They've got in, they've got enough in them to stay up this year, as Steve says, and as Rob says, they're going to look down at the teams below them and say they're all rubbish. Okay, then. So as ever, Rob, first goal will make all the difference. You'll see it's how Liverpool approach it. It's when that first goal comes. If Liverpool can score it early, they can do what they've been doing recently, which is absolutely kick on. The atmosphere will be very interesting as well. Yeah, you, you trust. I think we've we've come to trust the Brendan Rodgers Liverpool model that we score, we will score more. And tempt fate here. Um, Gary Monk's got Swansea up, and so there there is a fear that they that they that they approach it differently. They they put that the high pressure taxes they played against Napoli, and they they frustrate us. They keep the ball, and we found ourselves in a different situation. And that then it could become a tactical test for for Liverpool. And you know we've we've looked at, we've played against very good teams recently and be able to put five men in midfield and had Suarez out wide. We're gonna have to throw in the kitchen sink again at a team. Something we haven't done since uh, it feels like the heady days of November where we're beating teams four and five one. I I think the West Ham game is the one that mm. sticks in my head. The four yep. one against West Ham when we weren't even we weren't even that good. We were just inevitable. Yeah, and that you know the Persistent, Liverpool goal will relentless. Come. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we we had a plan that we were not going to stop until we broke a team down. And I hope we can find that again. There's a, the atmosphere will be interesting, really interesting, I think, Steve. The, there's a mental push for tickets. Uh, the atmosphere is fabulous against Arsenal. It does feel like everyone's getting on board. Yeah, um, and again, it's it's going to be dictated by by the football. Um, I think we, we are prone to going flat after twenty minutes if if the the game is flat. Um, but it will, yeah, it will. It does seem like a lot of people really really want to be there, and whether or not they they go all the time, if they really want to be there, then I'm I'm happy for them to be there. Songs songs are overrated. Constant walls of mewling, face scratching noise are most definitely in at Anfield this season. Uh, I will take your predictions, gentlemen. Uh, I presume each of you is expecting a Liverpool win. I'll take your prediction as to what score you think it'll be. Uh, Paul Cope. I'm I'm going to be very optimistic. I'm going to well, not very. I'm going to say three nil. Comprehensive three nil. Comprehensive three nil. Steve Graves. Six nil. Six nil. Says Steve Graves. He's gone for it. Uh, <laughs> Rob Gutman. If we win, we win. Four one. Four one. Okay, then this has been the Anfield Wrap this week. Thanks to everyone for the questions in part one. Thanks to Rory as well for joining in with us. Ooh, I'm going to go. I think four one. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Keep 100% of your compensation. Call 203-1268 to claim your £200 cash advance. Terms and conditions apply.